And the next event on God's calendar is the rapture, the catching away of the church. Following that, there'll be at least a seven-year uh, period of time when God resumes His dealing with the nation of Israel. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of promises God made to that people that have not yet been fulfilled. And we say seven years, which seven years is accounted for in the prophetic timetable. We, we assume that those seven years commence with the rapture of the church, but there could be an interval of time between the rapture and the beginning of the seven years of Jacob's trouble. But nevertheless, the second coming of Jesus Christ is not the rapture of the church, and the rapture of the church is not the second coming of Jesus Christ. So what we're going to do tonight, and it, 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 it'll, it'll be boring if you're not interested, and if you're interested, it'll be thrilling. Honestly, honestly, I've heard, I've heard preachers that, as far as they're delivered and everything concerned, were pretty dull, but they were talking about Jesus Christ, and it was pretty good. It was really good. And then I've heard dynamic speakers, and they weren't glorifying Jesus Christ, and it was a waste of everybody's time. And so uh, try to, try to get, uh, you know, get, get what you can out of the Bible and not, not come to give the preacher a 4 or an 8 or a 5.3 or anything like that. So we're gonna go, I'm going to give you 12 truths about the rapture and 12 truths about the second coming, and you'll see that they are, they are very, very different events Biblically, scripturally, and most sermons you hear on the second coming or the rapture are about both all mixed up together, and it's no wonder people are so confused. So let's pray together. Father, help me tonight. Help your people, and I pray, Lord, we'd all be uh, encouraged and excited in knowing what Jesus Christ is going to do for us, uh, for the church, and for the world in the days to come, and we thank you in Christ's name, and amen. All right, so John chapter 14 Jesus Christ says this in verse number one, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. The purpose of the rapture of the church is for Christ to take saints from the earth to be with himself. All right, look at Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter number 4 and verse 14. Colossians chapter 4 and verse... That's not right. Colossians chapter... Oh no, oh no, I got the wrong reference. Coming with his saying. Oh, okay, chapter three, I said, chapter three, one to four. Let's do this. If you then be risen Christ, seek those things that are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. That's it's 3, 1 to 4 in, in the reference in Colossians. So in the rapture, Christ comes for his saints. He comes to take his saints to be with himself. When he comes in the second coming, Christ comes with his saints. When he appears in glory, uh, the Bible says, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now let me ask you something. If the rapture doesn't happen before the tribulation, how could you come back with him if you haven't gone to be with him? 
So you have to leave before the tribulation in order to be part of the second coming at the end of the tribulation. So Christ comes for his saints and then Christ comes with his saints. Now second, uh, let's, let's get the, the, uh, the second coming reference, Revelation chapter number 1, Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 7, Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen, or amen. Now, at the second coming of Jesus Christ, every eye beholds the Lord. The rapture, there is no scripture that even implies that there will be any eyewitnesses to the rapture of the church. If you, if you are saved, if you are waiting for the Lord to come, if you are hoping for the Lord to come, if you are watching for the Lord to come, the rapture will take place in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. You wouldn't see it if you were looking for it. If you were watching for Christ to come in the very moment He came, you would, be, you would be from here to there gone, from earth to with Christ, before you knew what happened. So one, the rapture of the church is a, is a, a, a secret event, if you will. No, no scripture implies there will be witnesses to the rapture, but the second coming, every eye will behold the coming of the Lord. So they're not, they're not the same event. Now, in 1 Thessalonians 4, let's go there. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17. I like reading this passage. I could read it every day and not get tired of it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. Uh, the Bible says, We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. In the rapture, believers leave the earth and meet the Lord in the air. Zechariah chapter 14, Zechariah 14, next to the last book in your Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 14, and verse number 4, Zechariah 14, verse 4, right, let's start at verse 1, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, verse number 3, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought the day of battle. Verse 4, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east, toward the west. And there shall be a, great, a very great valley. Half the mountain shall move toward the north, half it toward the south. So, in the, at the second coming, Jesus Christ lands on this earth. Touchdown. His feet land on the Mount of Olives. That mountain splits and fills the Valley of Kedron from the Mount of Olives straight across into the Eastern Gate into Jerusalem comes the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So in the rapture, the, the believers leave the earth and meet Christ in the air. At the second coming, Christ comes in the air all the way to the earth. They're two different events entirely. Hallelujah. All right. Back in 1 Thessalonians 4, why didn't you just tell us to stay there? Well, you, it's, a, it's a, like a sword drill, only without the prizes. Uh, 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, 
For the Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which lie remain should be called together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So at the rapture, the Lord himself gathers his people. The dead, Christ brings them up. The, the living Christ brings them up and they are all assembled, gathered, collected by Christ to meet him in the air. In Matthew 24, it's very different at the second coming. Matthew chapter 24, let's go there. Matthew chapter number 24. Say, so why is this important? Well, you have thousands, thousands of people in good churches tonight who used to be hoping for the rapture. And now they're expecting to go through the tribulation and hoping to survive the beast and the Antichrist and not take the mark and all the rest of that. And the reason is because some preacher or their preacher didn't know the difference between the rapture and the second coming and, and mixed them all in together. And so it's important that you know, know the difference between the two. Matthew 24 and verse number 30, uh, or 30, 29, 29, Matthew 24, 29. 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, that pretty well sets the timetable, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. Now people say, now you read that Revelation 1-7, you said every eye shall see him. How will every eye see him? Well, when he appeared to Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, he was brighter than the noonday sun. When, when, when he when he unveils himself, when he, when he removes that which hides his glory, he outshines the sun. Well, if, if all the lights are out, the sun's out, the moon's dark, stars aren't given their light, you have seven years of destruction of the entire uh, economic, social uh, structure, industrial structure of the earth. When, when Jesus Christ appears in coming down from heaven, you'll see him. You'll see him because there won't be anything else to see. He'll be the, you talk about a light shining in a dark place. So that's, that happens at the end of the tribulation. The powers of the heavens should be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, how, how do you confuse Comfort one another with these words, with everyone who sees him coming is going to mourn. See, one group of people is saved and happy to see him. The other group of people rejected him, and it's not going to be well with their soul when he comes. Verse 31, and he shall send his angels with a sound of great trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So in the rapture, Christ gathers believers to meet him in the air. At the second coming, angels gather the elect nation, the Hebrew people, the Israelites, those that are surviving, gathers them, collects them, and brings them into their promised land. Two different gatherers, two different groups of people gathered to two very different locations one produces joy, the other produces mourning and dread. Yes, sir. 
Now, I, I don't want to get off track here uh, because this, is, this, is, this has been a current event. I heard today, I'm coming in here uh, to church this evening and top of the hour, they have this little uh, five minutes or so of news and it says that, uh, that uh, Muslims, believe it or not, they didn't say Muslims, they always, ha always have names so you don't know it's Muslims. They said Muslims attacked Israel and it was the deadliest day, the most deadly attack in Israel's history. Somebody hasn't read two pages of the Bible. That, uh, that, uh, that many people died in Israel in a couple of minutes, many times throughout the history of the Old Testament. But here's what you have to understand. For seven years, the powers of this earth are going to try to exterminate the Jew. That's, that's the Antichrist goal during the Great Tribulation, to exterminate the Jew. And then here comes the King of the Jews to rescue them that's why the people who see Christ coming are mourning. They're not mourning because here comes this Redeemer to rescue them. They're mourning because here comes Israel's Redeemer to rescue Israel. And the whole world would be disappointed because they thought, finally we're going to get rid of that Jew. Because after all, there wouldn't be any problems in the world without Jews. You know, Jews like Biden and Trump and Pelosi and... and So I didn't think they were Jews. They're not, <laughs> okay? They're, they're not. Anyway, Christ gathering his own in the rapture, angels gathering the elect nation at the second coming. Okay, come to Luke chapter uh, 21. Luke chapter 21. If you were living on earth after the rapture, there would be many signs to indicate that the second coming of Jesus Christ was near. For example, the Bible says in Luke 21, verse 25, there should be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. There are many signs in the Bible that indicate the second coming of Jesus Christ is about to happen. In fact, think about this. If, if you can't know the day and the hour and the times and the seasons of the Lord's return, you can understand, you can have understanding of the times. These things must come to pass before the second coming of Jesus Christ. There is not one verse of Scripture that tells you any sign has to transpire to precede or introduce the rapture. That's why it is always at every moment the blessed hope and the anticipation of the believer. How could, how could Paul, how could Timothy, how could Silas, how could Silvanus, how could John, how could all of these New Testament writers be telling people to live in anticipation of the coming of Jesus Christ to catch you up to be with himself at the same time writing them and saying, this has to happen for the second coming, this has to happen for the second coming, this has to happen for the second coming. Yeah. 
if the two events are the same, the letters written to the church make no sense. You couldn't be living in hope of the Lord's return if Jerusalem wasn't compassed about with armies. You, you couldn't be living in hopes of the Lord's return if the abomination of desolation wasn't sitting in a temple at Jerusalem and, and the mark of the beast being given to those who couldn't buy or sell and get gain without it. You, all those things have to happen for the second coming Christ. None of those things were happening and Paul said, we are looking for the coming of the Lord. We are living in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. Why is that? Because the rapture, no signs for the rapture. That's why Christians always, all these date setters and all these people that, that they're not teaching Bible prophecy, they're teaching headlines with the verse attached to it, say, look at that, we're close to the rapture. No, look at that, we got to be close. No, there's no signs for the rapture. So there's nothing you can point to and say, this indicates the Lord could come today. The Lord could come today because He said He was coming. Amen. And He doesn't have, nothing has to happen prior to the rapture. A lot of things have to happen prior to the second coming. Nothing has to happen prior to the rapture. And praise the Lord. That's a blessing because then you, instead of looking to the Bible and looking to the coming of the Lord, you, you'd have to get up every day and check the news and see if the news gave you reason to hope that maybe Christ could come today. So, <laughs> I mean, 47, 48, 51, 52, 56, 57. I mean, every year since the UN got that whole nation of Israel state going over there in the Middle East, they've been attacked. Well, that proves we're in the last days. Well, then 1 Kings was in the last days, and Chronicles was in the last days, and Samuel's in the last days, and Judges were in the last days. Come on, people. The church could be out of here any day, any moment, on a sunshiny day when everybody in the world's getting along together, and they're all holding hands and drinking a Coke and humming and meditating. Out we could go. Praise the Lord. My cultural references appeal to fewer and fewer people as the days go by. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 23. 22, let's start 22. Uh, for as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. At the rapture of the church, all who are in Christ will be resurrected. Amen. There is no resurrection of anyone connected with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Following the second coming of Jesus Christ, there's a resurrection of the nation of Israel spoken of in Ezekiel chapter 37, but saints aren't raised to meet Christ at His second coming. They are raised to meet Christ in the rapture. Entirely different situation. All right, let's try Philippians chapter 3. You've been wondering when I was going to mention this verse. We've had several lessons on the rapture and have not hit this verse yet, but here we go. Philippians chapter number 3. And verse number 20. 
for our conversation is in heaven. What do you talk about? What do you think about? What's your, what's your life uh, focused upon? Conversation in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body. Now remember that lesson about making fun of people for, for the way they look? Guess what? Go home tonight, look in the mirror, and say, that's a vile body. That's what the Bible said about the most handsome man in this auditorium, and you know who you are, and, and the most beautiful woman in this auditorium, and, and you know who you are. Uh, the Bible says vile body. You know, I, I did something unusual. I actually researched that word vile one time. Uh, for a book called By Definition. I'd recommend that book to you. You know what vile means? It means not worth keeping. An equivalent I could give you is comparing china dishes to paper plates. You know what paper plates are? They're not nasty, they're not filthy, well, not before supper anyway, but they're vile, meaning, eh, use it for a while and then get rid of it. Well, why don't you save it? It's not worth saving. Our bodies are not worth saving. They just they use them for a little while and, and then get rid of them. Uh, that's, that's all they're good for. But the Bible says this, He shall change our vile body. Didn't say give us a new body. Change our vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So we're not going to get, listen, it's, it's better than what, what all the preachers say. We're not going to get a glorified body. Our body is going to be made glorious. It's not, well, praise God, I'm done with this body. Wait till you see my new body. No, no. Wait till you see this one when Christ resurrects it and takes all the sin out of it. He said, well, then I'll be good looking. Wait a minute. Christ was sinless. Amen. And the Bible says when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. You're not going to get a beautiful body. You're going to get a sinless body. You're not going to get a great looking body. That's all a pride thing. You're going to get a body that never, ever disappoints the Lord or other people. Your body, but made glorious like His. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Now, if, if your husband or your wife was really good looking, man, y'all really messed up there. Oh. If your husband or your wife is hanging in there, is that, is that better? <laughs> was, was really, really as good looking as you told them they were when you were hoping they would marry you. But they were rotten, just a rotten individual. Wouldn't you say, I would rather a godly man or a godly woman to the person with movie star looks who's broken my heart and ruined my life. So this idea that the objective is to get a, a better looking body and still be full of sin, that's, that's not the hope. The hope is to get sin gone forever. 
and that's the promise. Our bodies made like His glorious body. Amen. Now, what's the promise, uh, the, uh, the promise, uh, corresponding promise for the second coming? Well, there isn't one. Believers aren't changed at the second coming. The earth is made new. In the rapture, the earth is turned over to destructive forces. They ruin the water and the trees and the plants and the air and, the, and everything. But we're changed. Believers are changed, made glorious like Christ. At the second coming, the people that are alive when Christ comes back, they're not changed. But he fixes the water, and he fixes the trees, and he fixes the animal, and he fixes the air. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the greatest environmental movement in history, and Christ will accomplish it in one day without any taxpayer money. Praise the Lord. He'll tear down all the windmills and <laughs> that are killing all the birds and bees and fish and everything. All right. Let's see. Number, how are we doing? Number eight. Christ comes in the rapture under this figure, Revelation 22, verse 16. Take a look here, Revelation 22 and verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. At the rapture, Christ is the bright and morning star. What, what is that? Everything's still dark. Everything's real dark. In fact, the morning star rises and does not dispel the darkness on the earth. When Christ comes in the rapture, He comes as the bright and morning star. We're caught up to meet the Lord, and guess what? It doesn't change conditions on the earth. It doesn't, doesn't bring light to the earth. Day, day doesn't break and dawn on the earth. Now, second coming, look at Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter number 4. And verse number 1, For behold, Malachi 4, 1, Behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly, shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son, capital S, look at the spelling, Son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. At the second coming, sunrise. Bright morning star, the rapture, the world's still in darkness. Second coming of Jesus Christ, the world is bathed in light. Two, two very different events, seven years apart. All right, look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. See if you can find that. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this time verse number 18. You say, I don't need to look. I've got that memorized by now. Good. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 18. 18, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Amen? Amen? Rapture the church. What a comforting thought. Christ could come and catch us out of here tonight. Amos chapter 5. Amos. Ooh, I don't know that one. You'll find it. Amos chapter 5, 
Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Amos chapter number 5. And look at verse 18. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand upon the wall, and a serpent bit him. Sound like one of my nightmares. Uh, shall, shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark and no brightness in it? So understand this. When Christ comes in the rapture, the, the fact that Christ could come in the rapture tonight fills our hearts with comfort. Why? We're being delivered, rescued. It's an escape. Those people who miss the rapture because they're unbelievers, miss the rapture because they rejected Christ, the day of the Lord, should they survive seven years of great tribulation when Christ comes back in Armageddon, what's it to do? Blood flowing high as the reins on a horse bridle destroying his enemies, Revelation 19, consuming them with fire out of his mouth. The Lord, Lord, the Lord said, don't desire the day of the Lord. Second coming's wrath, judgment, destruction, terror. The rapture of the church is hallelujah. No more, no more sadness and trouble. We're, we're leaving all this behind. So two very, very different events. They, they certainly can't be the same. Number 10, 1 Thessalonians you say chapter 4, I'm going to, no, no, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, didn't want to provoke you to anger. First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse number 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and much assurance. Have you believed the gospel? Believe the gospel, he trusted Christ your Savior. All right, verse 10. To wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, look at it, which delivered us from the wrath to come. That's hell, you're delivered from that. Great tribulation is time of Satan's wrath, you're delivered from that. Great tribulation is the time of the wrath of the Lamb, you're delivered from that. Praise the Lord. I'm, I'm not going to be here for a time of wrath. Amen. Now, look in your Bible in Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. Revelation 19. And let's look at verse 11. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. That's not, that doesn't happen at the rapture of the church. In fact, as soon as the church is raptured, out go four horsemen and bring false peace. How does the Antichrist rise to power? As a man of peace. 
So this isn't, this isn't the rapture. Verse number 12, his eyes was a flame of fire, on his head were many crowns, he had a name written that no man knew but he himself, and he was clothed the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white clean, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. He treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. We've been saved from wrath. We couldn't be here the recipients of this outpouring of the wrath of the Lamb at the second coming. Rapture, out of here. Second coming, Christ returns. At the rapture, the Antichrist brings in a false peace on earth for at least three and a half years. At the second coming, Jesus Christ. You know what he does? Listen, the, the, if you don't believe the Bible, you can't fix anything that's wrong in your home, in a city, in a nation. You can't do it. Your world today says people are basically good. Let them do what they want to do and don't restrain them and everything will be wonderful. What a bunch of morons. In the Bible, people are basically bad. If you don't want them looting, you have to have bigger guns. If you don't want them invading your land and kidnapping your women and children, you have to have weapons and be willing to use them so they don't try anything. You know how Christ is going to bring about a thousand years of peace on earth? By such a show of force at the second coming that it will be ten centuries before anyone tries him again. That's how you stop that stuff. People, I got this six-year-old and he won't do what I say. That's because he's exercising superior power in your home. <laughs> if you would flip that and, and you become the superior power in the home, he'll, he'll, he'll settle down real quick without drugs or pills or shots or anything. <laughs> so what is that power? Uh, see me after church. I'll... My dad had that power. <laughs> you know, this, when, when, my, when my father uh, passed away, and uh, our, my brother and two sisters, we're all together, and, and my, my parents didn't, they didn't have a lot of possessions, and, and they weren't real sentimental, and, and we're not real sentimental. But I, I gift wrapped for each of my siblings. Each, each one of us got one of my dad's belts. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that, that we all had that to remember him by. <laughs> it, was the, uh, it was the governing power in our home that kept all four of us out of prison and got us through school, and praise the Lord. Amen. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, I, I, can't, I can't publicly recommend that today because <laughs> someone would call that child abuse while they mutilate their sons and daughters. It, it is hard to believe the level of insanity that exists in our nation. Amen. If these people come to me, some of these kids come to me, my, 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 my daddy is verbally abusive. I say, would to God my dad had been verbally abusive. <laughs> dad, dad, verbal, please, verbal. <laughs> Verbal. 
and then he sits you down and you watch these shows, you know, and, and Beaver's coming home from school and he gets up on the billboard and the, and the teacup and everything and he gets home and Ward sits down in his suit and tie and says, now Beave, let's talk about this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, Dad, what are you showing me here? <laughs> you watch these shows. <laughs> Leave it to Beaver. It was a, a, a kid's show. They had, a, they had a kid on there that was overweight, and they called him Lumpy. <laughs> Can you imagine that today? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, where are we? Oh, rapture, rapture, rapture. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's try that. Anybody know where that is? There we go. First Thessalonians 4, in verse 16, Lord himself should descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. So Christ comes for the church with the voice, one voice, the archangel, one archangel. Now, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 7, you, to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, one archangel in the rapture, a host, an army of mighty angels at the second coming, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't happen when the church is raptured. It does happen at the second coming. All right, one more, one more. Revelation chapter 20, Revelation chapter 20, verse 5, just, just we could use Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians again, but here's a different verse we haven't read. Verse number 5, but the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. In the rapture, the Lord takes saints and leaves sinners in death. Right? The rapture. The dead in Christ rise. Revelation 20 verse 5 says everyone's not in Christ. They don't come up. They stay and, and, and await the, uh, the, the end of, of things and then are raised to stand in the judgment. Now, look at Matthew 13. Matthew 13, in the rapture the Lord takes saints and leaves sinners. Matthew 13 and verse number 41. Start, at, uh, start 40. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. At the second coming, the Lord takes sinners in death and leaves the saints alive on the earth. Rapture, saints go. Saints, saints go, and sinners are left in death. At the second coming, sinners 
die and saints remain. Church goes to heaven. Praise the Lord. Second coming. Now, now here's something you've got to think about. People say, well, I think we're going through tribulation. And if you make it through the tribulation, then, then you get to go into the kingdom. What you just read is when Christ gets back, he's going to take people who live through the tribulation and destroy them. They're in the tribulation because they're unbelievers. They made it through the tribulation as unbelievers. And when he gets back, he says, I'm not building a kingdom with unbelievers. So the fact that you, suppose you did make it through the tribulation, you're still going to be destroyed if you don't know the Lord. So the purpose of tribulation, and you say, well, boy, if people go through great tribulation, then they'll get saved. No, they won't. No, they won't. The grace of God doesn't bring you to salvation. The wrath of God isn't going to bring you to salvation. If you're already bitter against the Lord and He pours out all these judgments on you, that isn't going to change the way you feel about Him whatsoever. Uh, Romans 11 says, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. And so if people won't come to God in this age when, when God's so good, it'd be a, be, they'd be hard-pressed to come to Him, and we'll talk about that when we get to chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians. Amen. So, rapture, seven years, Daniel's 70th week, time of Jacob's trouble, great tribulation, second coming. Twelve biblical reasons why they are very, very different events, and if you don't, don't mix them up, you'll be okay, and you won't ever fall into false doctrine about end-time things. So, praise the Lord. All right, uh, just before you go, it's a blessing to have a big crowd on Sunday nights. It's a blessing to have a big crowd on Thursday nights. Praise the Lord. My wife said uh, about 60 children in the children's church this morning. That's a blessing. Um, every, every single week, I, I don't say this often enough, and, and every time I think about it, I try to say it, but every week we have people run the sound room, we have people play the music, we have people teach Sunday school, we have people drive the buses and bring the children in, we have uh, children's church for the, for the kids we bring in on the vans, we have security team in place, and, and no, none of that, I never, I never call anybody and say, are you going to be in the sound room tomorrow? I never called anybody and say, you going to play music? I, I, thank you, thank you, so many of you do so much to make what happens here on, on Sundays and on, on, in the midweek services happen. Praise the Lord. And, and all the, uh, uh, we've never had a nursing home called and say, is nobody coming for the nursing home service today? It's never happened. Never happened. We've, we've had a few, uh, few times, we hadn't had a real good crowd downtown on Friday afternoon, but all these outreach ministries, there's always somebody there. Thank you for that. I mean it. I go from church to church to church, and the pastor says, I can't get anyone to do anything. I can't get anyone to do anything. What a blessing. What a blessing to have so many willing workers. Thank you for that. Praise the Lord. On your way out, someone or some two or some three may ask to take your photograph. And we're just trying to put together uh, an album that we can use to pray one for another and for new people to learn who all of you are and, and get up speed and learn everybody's names and, and that sort of thing. So if they ask you about taking a picture, uh, that's why. You say, well, they took my picture six years ago. Yeah, but you had one child then and you got four now. And we'd, we'd like to, really, I mean, people, families grow and change and, and all of that. Yeah, amen. 
And so that's, that's, that's what we're doing. That's the purpose of that. We're not trying to run a background check on you or anything like that. That comes later. <laughs> Amen. All right. Lord, help us. Help us to live in anticipation of your coming again. What a thrilling thought that tonight we could be in the presence of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If not, bless us. Help us have a great week. Pray for Charlie. You get him home from the hospital. Get him all healed up. We pray for Antonia. You get her home from the hospital. Get her all healed up. And Lord, uh, Brother Jed, the doctors, find out what's the matter with him and get him fixed up. And then God, all the many, many others that are on our prayer list and have been there for quite a while, pray God you'd help them, have mercy upon them. In Jesus' name, amen.